Hello, bonjour, welcome to Stand Out From The Crowd, the podcast dedicated to helping leaders amplify their voice, impact and influence. Each week, I interview some of the brightest thought leaders and entrepreneurs of our time. We understand that being a leader has its own set of challenges. We want to be successful and impactful, fulfilled in our professional and personal life, and most importantly, stay authentic to who we are. As people, we have strengths, weaknesses, positive and bad experiences. Our stories, our different perspectives are what connect us as humans, and we talk all about it without filter. So join me and my guest on Stand Up From The Crowd podcast every Wednesday live on LinkedIn, or you can listen to the replay on Spotify, Apple, Google, and wherever you get your podcast. I can't wait to share these conversations with you. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, hello, bonjour, salamu alaikum, welcome on Stand Out from the Crowd. If you're new here, my name is Doreen and I'm your host here every Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time with a standout guest to talk about topics that matter. Either you are an existing leader, or professional leaders, we talk the talk and we have no BS conversation to help you amplify your voice, impact and influence. And today, again, we are going to talk about vulnerability and we want to know why is vulnerability so important and so hard at the same time. And to talk about it today, our standout guest, Carl Sean Watkins, aka Mr. Vulnerability, he is a survivor of abuse, addiction, and depression. And listen, I have known him. He's a friend of mine. I have known him for uh, almost two years, I believe, on LinkedIn. And I didn't know that aspect of his life. And he uses his public platform and LinkedIn particularly to empower and encourage people to turn life setbacks into success. So during our conversation, he's going to share with us you know, about living and embracing your vulnerability, vulnerable leaders empowered those who they lead. So please, without further ado, help me welcome my friend, Carl Sean Watkins. Hey, Doreen, how are you? <clears throat> I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. Thank everybody who's came by today. And I'm excited about our conversation. Yes, and let me say how to our audience today. Hi, 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 hello, everyone. So Jennifer is here. Um, who else is in the place? Um, Mena is here. And as usual, introduce yourself in the comment. Let us know where you are tuning in from. Either you're watching the live or the replay. We want to know where you are tuning in from because we have a beautiful international community. And, you know, like join the conversation, ask your questions, share your experience. You know, maybe you, you have advice, tips uh, that, you know, can help one another. So feel free, please, to use the comment section. And I see more of you coming. So, Keep the keep the comment popping. So, Carl, my friend, yes. 
Yes. AKA Mr. Vulnerability. I love that name. <laughs> yes. I have to give that. I have to give kudos to that, to uh, my uh, business partner, my live stream partner, my summit partner. Like we have a lot of things going on. My course partner, uh, Charlene Brown, definitely go check her out. If you're not checking her out on uh, LinkedIn, uh, we were talking one time we were going over our show and uh, she was like, you just missed the vulnerability. I think I said a few things to her to encourage her and talk her out of a few things and off a ledge, so to speak. And she was like, that, that's why I see the vulnerability. You just missed the vulnerability. And that name came out and she called me that on the show one time. And she was like, oh, you got to you got to service mark that you got to use that. You, that got to be a part of. And from that point, on, it's been about like six or seven months now. I've been using it, got it service marked. And, and that and that's what my uh, that's what my title is. And she gave me that. So uh, I just roll with it. So it is who I am. I never thought of naming myself or, or knighting or crowning myself that. But yeah, it is who I am. And it's what I do. I love it. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about your personal experience before diving into, you know, the the leadership aspect and why, you know, it's it's more and more important for leaders to become vulnerable. Uh, but tell us a little bit uh, more about your story. I know you went and as I said at the beginning, you went from a place where you were very much vulnerable, yes. um, abuse, addiction and um throughout i do believe a lot of ups and downs you were able to build yourself back up and use your personal own personal experience uh, and turn first for yourself your vulnerability into something very powerful and then decided to impact others with your story so tell us a little bit about about the beginning of your journey yes it started young right when we think about these journeys that we're on and we're thinking about the things we go through uh, there's definitely not an understanding in the beginning of why things are befalling you right or why do you these things keep happening to me or these sort of situations uh happen to me and i was just like everyone else and i'm not i'm not uh like have this all to myself these things have happened to other people but i think it's the things that has happened to me that has reshaped my perspective of how life is and how important things are in life and how you should judge them, perceive them, and how you should just live it. So I call them my four highlights, right? And it's funny because when I tell people these are four highlights in my life, once I describe them, people's like, I wouldn't call them highlights, but there are four events that took place in my life that transformed me. And it was in that knowing and understanding, I said, okay, now I know purpose. I understand my purpose. So I went from why me to why not me? What makes me any different? So in the essence of that, I put those on the internal and externally, I transformed who I was. And the four highlights was one, I was abused as uh, I was molested and abused as a uh, kid. I went for quite a few years and it was a family member. And that mostly a lot of times I'm not I'm not the only one that this has happened to. So I'm not essential to that being what happened. But through that, it caused a lot of things in me. Of course, the exposure of being in things that as a child, you should not have no business being in and you shouldn't even be aware of. So that automatically drifts off your thinking pattern of how you think about things should be. And it's yes, it's a robbery of your childhood because the innocence is gone. And from that become now a hiding that I have to hide because of what has happened. 
So now mm -hmm. I take on a gravity or a responsibility that is definitely not due to a child. So with that came pressure, with that came a lot of situations. I threw myself into writing and reading, and I was an advent for that. I excel well in school. These are some of the things that you can look out for in your own children as parents and see what they're exposed to. I just like super excelled in school. I always wanted to read. I always wanted to throw myself into another world, so to speak. And reading done that for me, writing done that for me. But that was also a release for the pain of what I was dealing with. And from that, as I got older, the next thing just befalls all of us, drugs and alcohol, right? So I started drinking. So I went from the molestation to the alcoholic. And that was my second, that was my second highlight. And I continue to say that because that's what it has bought for me. And that mm -hmm. just continued on and just spiraled on into, of course, alcohol. You can't be the working drunk. <laughs> you can't be the performance person after a while. And it starts to take over your life. And when that piece came, uh, the depression sits in. Mm. So that's the third highlight that I dealt with. So I dealt with depression. I dealt with things not working. I dealt with putting on a mask. I dealt with putting the outward out there. Everything became a joke. So I wouldn't just deal with my life and how it was. And at that point, when you get to the depression and you get to the bottom of where you are and you think it's no relief, of course, the end, which I call my fourth highlight, uh, took effect. So I said, well, maybe this world would be better if I wasn't in it. How many of mm -hmm. us have had those thoughts, right? And we mm -hmm. may have had them too, just coming in and popping out. And some have really marinated on it. And some have really thought and planned. Well, I went through all those stages. When it first came, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. So this world will be good. This world, is, I, need, I need to be here. And then it went from that to, well, maybe that's not such a bad idea. Maybe if I was this and I start saying if I was this or I wasn't here, maybe this will be better for those around me. Maybe this. And then it went from, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think I'm going to start planning. I'm going to start seeing areas of where I could do this, how it won't be harmful to my parents, how those that love me will be able to deal with it after I'm gone. So it became a full-blooded strategy. And I tried it a couple of times. And the last time I tried it, I was in Germany. I was in the military in the Army. I was in Germany. And I was an M1 tank commander. And we was out on... To patrol out in Wild Flick in Germany. And, and if you know that the uh, people of that area, it's just a place where you go do live fire exercises, the U.S. Army. And I went out there and we sat there and we was there for a week. And it was pitch black out there. The only thing you could see is the lanterns that we had. And we slept on top of tanks. And one night on top of the tank, I was in so much pain and I was crying and I was just like, it was just like an overwhelming feeling. And why would they give a person that wanted to commit suicide a 45, right? That was our handgun. And I sat on the tank and I kind of mapped out this suicide. Right. I said, hey, I'm here. We're in live fire. Uh, here I was. I was only 19 in Germany. I was like, this is live fire exercise. The army will probably cover it up. I had no idea that the army would do any of this, but I had mapped it out in my mind. They would cover it up. They would send the insurance to my parents. And, you know, I just had this thing elaborately done. And I sat there on, and I just began to just cry like a baby. I mean, tears just wouldn't stop. And I just pulled the trigger. I put the gun to my head. I pulled the trigger. It clicked, and then nothing happened. I pulled it again. It clicked, and then nothing happened. The third time I pulled it, it clicked. Now, mind you, it wasn't jammed. I was an expert in shooting. It wasn't jammed. It wasn't that. But the third time that I did it, I got so angry. I mean, the anger that to this day I have not felt again in my life. Mm -hmm. I just angry at not being able to succeed in doing this. And I, at that moment, when that anger came, and I always tell people about this, this is not no movie. It's not a 
Moses story. It's not a God talking to me story. The moon out there in that forest got so bright like the sun. And at that point in time, I just felt like a hug. I just felt so much love in that moment. And it was something that I could never explain in a while. I can I just cried like I mean I cried till the, the front of my uniform was wet. My sleeping bag was wet. That's how much I cried. And at that moment in time, I knew that my life had a purpose. Wow. And from that point, when I went back, we was out there a couple of more days. I sat out there and cried. And the phenomenal thing is this we were out there, it's very quiet. There's no lights. I mean, we're out in the forest, sleeping on tanks. Anything could be heard. I cried, screamed, yelled, all it out there. No one on no tank woke up. No one on my tank woke up. And they didn't really wake up or they, at least they heard you and didn't want to do nobody, anything about it? Nobody woke up. Nobody said nothing about what happened the next day because we were still out there a couple of more days. We wasn't finished with our drills. No one had said anything to me. No one had said, you know, I heard you last night. It was like it had never happened. And this is when I really probably really took the spiritual sense of like how this really was for me and how it changed my life. And I said, I don't understand why nobody heard that. I was questioning myself with that. But when I came back in and we got back to our base and we kind of settled down into our regular routine, I didn't feel the same. I didn't drink. Has Everything has changed. It changed. Like how I thought about things had changed. I didn't drink. I didn't go out to the parties like I used to. The dorms that we stayed in, uh, they would come in drinking. I would instantly smell the alcohol. It would make me sick. Like a lot of things had changed for me. And I said, wow, this is like weird from this point. And from so there, like just in an instant, in an instant, yes, like in an instant, cold, you went like from cold turkey. Wanted I went to from, take your own life trying, yeah. not mm -hmm. succeeding, thank God. And to yes. like having this light or, you know, whatever we want to call it, but having this feeling like, okay, you have a purpose. And from that moment, Mm -hmm. No more drinking, no more drugs, no more depression. And it just stopped. I had no taste. It it made me sick. Even when I smelled alcohol, it seemed like my senses had gotten heightened because I can smell when someone's drinking me, though. You know, a lot of times some of the soldiers, and I mean, I'm not saying anything that people don't know. Sometimes they would drink and come to work or they would have a little bit in their coffee. And I can instantly smell that on people. I, can, I mean, my senses was really heightened and it was scary in the beginning because I had no idea what was going on. But in that, I start feeling powerful about sharing uh, my instances of what happened to me. I, I had never wanted to talk to anybody about that. And at that point in time, I, my mindset just said, someone needs to know that you overcame this. Yeah. And that's really what started my journey on being able to tap into being vulnerable and accepting who I am, because that's really what vulnerability allows us to do. It allows us to accept the things that we put out there as who we are, and it delves into the really person of who we are. And it gives us and shows us and exposes who we are so we can deal with it. But we don't want that. We want the facade. And, and that's the thing. We don't want that. But why is it so hard for people to open up and be vulnerable? Why is it so important for people to keep that facade and then, you know, it's so hard for them to open up. I think it's two things. And I talk about this a lot when I'm, when I'm coaching uh, my clients. I tell them that there's two journeys. There's two roads on journeys that we travel. One is fitting in and one is belonging. 
And a lot of times we want to fit in. It starts as childhood. You know, we go to the daycare. We want to fit in with the kids on the playground. Uh, when you're in high school, we want to fit in with the jocks or the kids or the cheerleaders. We fight that fitting in syndrome. And when we don't fit in for who we say that we are or who we think that we are, we mask to be who we're trying to fit in. And now, of course, I can't go from a non-jock to a jock. But what I can do is mask some of the things that I'm weak or, or not as great in as a jock and try to simulate some of the things that they do. We find it a lot of times even in leadership. We mark those leaders who we think are boisterous, talk and demand respect. Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll mark them as far as us as being under them and say, oh, this is how a leader should lead. But in essence of what it is, is just a facade that's put up because they're uncomfortable with the person they are. That's the first one. The second one is that we tend to copy <laughs> with creatures of habit. We copy. So if we see something that we think is progression or growth or development, we copy that. We don't do the homework into what is actually happening there. Bear in mind how the social media aspect has taken over. We see on these platforms of these people with these grand visions, the six steps to seven figures, the the, the yachts, the mansions, and we see those kind of things. We want those. But what we don't really realize is that a lot of that stuff that we're seeing is just fakeness as well. And it's just we're just reciprocating the same fakeness. We are hard at trying to be vulnerable because it really aligns with who we are. And we're not satisfied with who we are. We haven't embraced who we are. So therefore, we're not proud of who we are. And that only comes from you comparing yourself to someone else. That's really what I try to tell people. When you're working on your vulnerability, it's you versus you. It's not That's me versus Doreen. It's not me versus anybody, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. How can I be them? They who they are. So how can I be who I am? How can I accentuate or accentuate who I am and work on that and build that? Wow. And so we have a few comments here uh, from, from the audience. Jennifer says, I'm speechless, speechless hearing about your story, Carl. I'm amazed by your courage in sharing you, what Jennifer. you have been through. And um, uh, Roberto here says, I believe people are more vulnerable than a few decades before, although societies are more economically developed and more technologically innovative, given people are gradually lacking resilience due to uncertainties and more inequalities. Oh, that's a good Absolutely. comment here. That is very good, Roberto. And I definitely agree with you. Uh, people have become more vulnerable just since 2019. And I'll put that to the perspective of where we're in. The pandemic has made everybody face their vulnerabilities. Yeah. Everyone. So there's no hiding. There was no hiding. You had to come to grips with who you are. You had to come to grips with those that you shared spaces with. You had to come to grips with relationships that you tied away from because you kept yourself busy. Uh, that was the hiding thing that we had. Oh, I'm off the soccer practice. I got this kid in sports. This kid playing that. We're eating in the car. We're going for one thing or another. The busyness kept us from facing who we truly are. So now the pandemic took all that away. Now you have to deal with that. And now you're hearing it so much and people are being a little bit more comfortable with it now than they have been because it's not hidden anymore. And it's being more acceptable, not because people are happy about saying it, because people have no other alternative but to mm -hmm. deal with it. 
So we're faced with that issue and now it become a communicative thing. Now we have to explain that. Now we have to talk about those things that we didn't. Now we have to face those things. We even had couples and, and I've talked to some couples and clients as well. They're both in leadership. They're both working from home. Kids are homeschooling. They never knew that their other, that their partner was the way that their partner was because they all the time was ripping and running. <laughs> they never yeah. had these conversations, like been married for years and never really knew that this was a piece of their puzzle that they had not known their partner carried. So these are a lot of things that have come to our fruition in our, in our, in our sight line now that we're really getting involved with. And, and it's good to see. It really is. So um, why, why is vulnerability a strength? We talked about it in the past. We talked about, and mm -hmm. you were already a guest on this show, that vulnerability is is not a weakness, right? We talked about the fact that there is this misconception about vulnerability and what vulnerability really is. Mm -hmm. By why is it a strength and why is it important, especially for leaders? Yeah, I, I'll go with the why it's important with us individually. First, because I think that's something that individually we all should take stock in. I think it's important to, it's very important to us because it reveals who we truly are. Uh, there can be no growth. There can be no movement. There can be no forward progress if we don't deal with who we are. Because masking, it only lasts. Masking, I put masking as the same, I put it in the same criteria as makeup or a, a woman fixing their face. Now they've gotten progressive on it because now lipstick lasts longer. It could be wet and mascara doesn't run so much when you cry. And they, they put some of those things in there that progressed. How but hold on, hold on here. <laughs> <laughs> hold on here. <laughs> Just for, for, for your information and for the people watching us. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure about this one though, because no, because <laughs> yes, a uh, woman, some women may put makeup on, you know, to mm -hmm. hide something. Indeed, right. it is true. But I do believe also a lot of uh, women and gentlemen as well uh, mm -hmm. uh, put make on, makeup on just to embellish themselves or to feel good, you know, and have fun. And oh maybe, yeah, no, no, no. Know? I'm sorry. No, Not, I wasn't. Yeah. Meaning, no, I <laughs> okay. wasn't meaning it. From, yeah, yeah. I wasn't meaning it from that point. I was just using the analogy of uh, the endurance of. And that's what I mean by the mass. Mass don't endure. And that's really what, really what, no, I, I definitely agree with the, the it, it is beautiful. Some feel empowered by it and some, it, it is a part of who they want to be and same. And that's definitely not a problem with that. Look about that. I talk about the mass aspect of that because mass can only be hidden for so long. At some mm -hmm. period of time, even if you're living in that mass, the true you, the true you will show. It just takes the situation for the true you to come out. So it's not nothing that we can uh, continue to do successfully. And that's and that's what I mean. But that's what I mean by the mascara. When I was going, like, you could have the mascara on, but eventually at some point in time, it, it, if you cry, you're going to have to fix it or, you know, those kind of things. So that was my analogy to that. So please forgive me, guys, if that didn't go <laughs> off as well as I tried to bring it. But when I talk about the, the importance of that and why it's important, definitely in the leadership structure, because I think you cannot lead people if you don't know them. And when I say know them, the, the knowing them is not me knowing everything about you. And I think we married them two thought processes together and come out with, uh, I don't want to be vulnerable. 
it's like, you know, it's, it's like we put this in a mixture and said, okay, to know you, I got to know all about you. Now. No, it's a lot that people don't know about me. Even with me sharing them, those four pieces of my story, there's still a lot that has went on in my 55 years of life that people don't know about me. I have not shared and I don't desire to. There's things that I did that I'm not uncomfortable with, but I've made peace with, that I've mm-hmm. moved on from. That's all of our lives. But there are points and places and things in your lives that someone is there. Someone that you've encountered, and my grandma just tell me all the time, I say, grandma, why do people always want to talk to me about their problems? She say, people bring their problems to you because you're a solution. She told me that at 10. I had no idea what that meant at 10 years old. I just knew grown-ups was always talking to me about something. I was always an ear for someone to explain why things were going on how they was in their life. I had no idea what everything that I went through would be the catalyst in building the character to being able to listen to others who had went through things. I became a listening ear for those. I became an understanding heart. That's all a part of that. So look back on your lives into some of the things that you've ran across and see how it's structuring you now to be that character person of who you are. And that's why it's important. Let those things live within you. Let those things breathe within you. Are they painful? Absolutely. I will not tell you that they're not. But what they are, you. They've happened to you. They've been a part of you. And they're your makeup. How can I use these things that have happened to me to be the dynamic person that I need to be? Or how could I use those things to be the person that pulls someone else from the gutter? And how about, you know, not wanting to share or to open no. up? Yeah, to share to share too much <laughs> and to open up about our vulnerability mm-hmm. by fear that others will take advantage of it. See, this is the misconception, too. I'm glad you talked about that because I hate to be the first one to jump on that. The misconception is people don't know that you are in those weak places anyway. People are not stupid. A lot of times they don't say anything. And a lot of times people aren't there. Their character is not to expose those things. But people see those things. They see them in your action. They see how you are. People can tell phony people. They really can. We don't give ourselves enough credit. Uh, We think that we have these disguises on. And now social media has made that really much more easier because we're behind the mask, so to speak. Because I can say things and do things and put an avatar or not really be my picture. Or I can say those Mm -hmm. things and no one can retaliate or reciprocate what I'm saying. So we've gotten emboldened in that piece. But when you're interacting with people, people can feel well is real. People can feel well is genuine. People can feel where you're lying. People can feel if you're not telling the truth. Like we have these senses that befuddles me that we think that we can pull the wool over people's eyes. A lot of times, and I would even go as high as to say nine times out of 10, people don't expose the stuff that you do. They let it ride. They really do. And that 1%, they make it their mission to expose you. So a lot of times when we're interacting with people, they see the vulnerable piece in you. They see that you can't handle it in stress. They see that situations uh, flood your mind. They see that you don't make the right calls. They see that you're leading them and you don't really know what you're doing. True. These things, they show themselves. You see so them. My, that's very true. Yes. So you see them. So you're not hiding in the midst of where you think you're hiding. So the truth <laughs> and the power and vulnerability is that, yo, I don't have this all together, but I'm your leader, right? And this is a conversation I've had with a lot of leaders, CEOs, essentially, because they think that they're above this fray. I have this conversation with a leader and I had one with one specifically. I'll share this example. Uh, a guy that I was working with, C-Suite, he had came in and he told me about something that happened at his office. So he came in, he almost got ran off the road on his way to work, which is 
which is tragic. And of course, it made him in a whole nother realm of how he was when he left the house. So now he's mad about that. He's angry about that. Now he walks into a company that he owns. And the first person he encounters is his receptionist. Now, instead of saying to her anything of the niceness or the normalties that she's used to hearing, he comes in, slams his door and tell her, I don't want to talk to nobody. Right. Okay. And the essence of hearing this, the receptionist is here, but his office and his workers are there. They can hear it's an open area space. So now he's shifted the whole atmosphere of everybody at that job from the way that he came in. Right. And he went yeah. and slammed his door. Now, those that were working uh, or those that were working to do what they're supposed to do, they were doing that. But now there's a whispering. There's a conundrum in the office. Now, oh, I wonder what that's about. I wonder that takes away from performance. That takes <laughs> that takes away from deadlines. Yeah. That takes away from a lot of things that need to be done in the workplace. Right. So he goes in his office and sit in there and he tells me, he's like, yeah, I was just so mad. And that's what I did. And he was proud of it. He's proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I did. And I told nobody don't bother me. You don't take your calls. Hold my spot. And I sat there and I heard him out. I listened to everything. I said, let me give you another example that will set the tone for the office that you own, that your name is on. You just disrupted everything concerning your name being on the moniker. Yeah. He said, yeah, so how would you have handled it? I said, this is precisely how I would handle it. Yes, would I have been angry for being ran off the road? Yes, I'd be an idiot to tell you, no, I wouldn't be. Yes. Okay. I've talked to a lot of people that have trying to just change lanes on me and got too close in my car. <laughs> that a lot of people were in my car. But what I told him, okay. I said, what the Yes, yes. I'm telling people, how oh, you trying to do that? But my windows rolled up, they ain't hearing me, and I'm just talking really to myself. But I told him, I said, this is how I would have handled it. I would have went in on that day. I would have talked to the reception. I would have said, look, I just had a horrible ride to work. In my calm car voice, had a horrible ride to work. Give me a moment before I have to take my calls or take our clients or take my appointments and just let me get a breather. I'll give you a buzz when I'm ready to start taking calls. I just need a break. Okay, now a couple of things happened there. First of all, you kept the office at the kill that it was in before you arrived. Everybody is still humming and doing their work. You didn't drop off in performance. You didn't drop off in profitability. You didn't drop off of those things that they were continuing to do. Secondly, you've given space for the receptionist to tell you the same thing if she comes in with that kind of day. And you've also created a space in the office to say, this is how we'll deal with things when things aren't going our way. This is how we'll deal with things when things aren't going the way we see them. And I say, then you go up as you take a breather, then you come back and reset. And I say, that didn't change who you are. That didn't change what you are. And that didn't change who you were to them. You're still their boss. Your name is still on the door. And you're still the CEO. None and of them I changed. See, and I clearly see how it can, you know, help others to, to open yes. up, you know, about they're having a bad days or having a bad situation at home or whatever the the, the, the situation is simply because their leader has mm -hmm. shown them what it is to open up and to say hey i need a break so i can clearly see it so now how for the people who want to get started you know yes. they know their story we have a lot of there are a lot of people out there with a lot of stories, right? Not only one, but multiple stories. Multiple, yes. And that they know that if they share at least one of their stories, um, that could make a difference, that could impact people, that could help other people. And I know a lot of people, like, they would like to get started, you know, to communicate more about something that happened to them because they want to help others. Yeah. And they want to let others know that, okay, you are not alone, you have, don't have to deal with it by yourself. Being a leader or not, okay? And again, 
it's it's like we are not when we talk about being a leader it's not just like the the status right the job status like being a leader is making an impact that can be in your family in your community in your association at work and so on so what would you tell them to do to get started first thing first when it comes to putting their story out there and starting sharing their story that's why i put these two together uh so effectively uh the first thing I do embrace vulnerability and you say, okay, what is that? And how can I do that? And what does that look like? Embrace who you are, not trying to change who you are. And there's a differences in getting better because a lot of times we want to change past. You can't do that. Can't change past. <laughs> you can only change present. And that's how it's made up. Past is what has already happened to you. What has already taken place. And whether there's a lesson learned or not, you will see if you don't repeat it or if it isn't repeated in your life as a cycle. So therefore, this is where we miss the point at. That has happened. I don't want nobody to know. And it's part of my past. All those things are true. But past seems to creep back up into the present. It comes out in our actions. It comes out in our communication. It comes out in our relationships. It comes out in the way that we treat people. Uh, yeah, it comes out. You may not want it to, but it do. And more times than not, since we haven't embraced it as a piece of us, it rears its ugly head in places we don't want it. That is the real true fear of being vulnerable. It's not that the story happened to us. It's that I don't want Johnny, who respects me so much on the job as their leader, to know that happened to me. Well, guess what? Johnny that respects you probably have had that happen to him and more. And can relate to you and how you are based upon you you guys sharing some commonalities and what's taking place in your life. So, see, we get that disregard of that as saying that, okay, that's the door that I went through on my life. And now here I am 20 years in corporate. I don't want nobody to know that I was an alcoholic. Why? It doesn't affect the work that you do now. Now, bear in mind, some people will make judgments on that because I always like to go on both sides of the coin. See, people will make judgments on that. Some people will call you names for that. Some people will say, oh, my God, I never knew that about you. And they will treat you different. Those are the ones I say is dust on the feet. Because if they can't go with you at who you are, truly who you are, depending on who you are, if they're dealing with you based upon the picture of who they think you are, they're not going to be someone that's going to be there for you when you need them. I'm just they are not your people. Yeah, they're they not, not your people. people. And I definitely say this to people that are looking for clients. You don't want to look for clients based upon the they looking for they the people don't come to me and they want to they want they want uh Tim Robbins or uh, Tony Robbins is they don't come to me. They don't come to me because they want Les Brown. I'm not gonna hoop and holler with you, I'm not gonna get on stage <laughs> with you, I'm not gonna hold my mic and say you can do it, rah rah. That's not my style, right? So why would I go out acting like that? Yeah. Then when people work with me, they mean, well, you're not Tony Robbins. Uh, you'd say, I'm not Tony Robbins. So these are the things that people have to really realize in essence of that. The first thing you have to do is just embrace who you are. Take vulnerability out the picture. I can tell you that. Just close your eyes and just take that out. Embrace who you are. Yes, this, this, and this happened in my life. But look where you are now. Are you still sitting in this, this, and that? Then you take what you have and what I say, everybody have their story. Take out of that what you learned. That's teachable yeah. to the next person. If you take out of your life what you've learned in the essence of going over the obstacles, that's teachable to someone else because they're in those places and they don't know how to escape. 
This is what we do. If we combine those two things together, that is our really start in sharing our story. And we'll know if we share too much because we'll get a feeling, we get an inclination, we'll get a, we'll get a, because most of the time, if I felt in the beginning I did, because I thought everybody need to know until I got a little more training <laughs> in how to do it. Uh, and that only went by trial and error. I would feel a certain way after I said a certain thing. And that would be my clue to say, nah, maybe I went a little too far there. So next time I share that story, I'll rein that piece in because that wasn't a necessity. Mm. And you'll start developing that, but you can only develop that if you start using that. It's like your brain. If you sit at home all the time and don't ever use it, when you think you're going to learn? How you think it's going to grow? That's very true. And actually, like, um, Kissy to Daniel says, your story is so heart-touching and has a lot of learning regarding vulnerability. And that's exactly what you are talking about, you know? Mm -hmm by sharing your story your vulnerable moments mm -hmm. like there is so many learning learning lessons for yourself yeah but that can be useful to others as well so that's very powerful so we are hitting uh we are like over time right now over time i know i know i know we could talk about like about it and, and we could talk together like for hours like yes, literally yes. hours so thank you so much again thank for, you for having you know, me bringing bringing that topics and i do believe it's a it's a very important topic no matter who you are yes at what stage in your life you are your story the good the bad and the ugly is part of the person you are today so embrace it and use it and you know talking about it also feels good simply for yourself and you will yes. see that by doing it for yourself in the first place that will impact others anyway and this is what uh, we are all about here making an impact sharing our stories and you know either you like it or not this is who we are <laughs> this is who you are and we are not for everyone and that's no. okay as long as you stay true to yourself that's it that's it. We just want to be accepted and be true to who we are. And just embracing it allows you to be that. You feel so much better. So when you embrace who you truly are and there's no way, you know how much work it takes to hide? It takes a lot of work to hide. A lot of energy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Carl. Thank you so thank much you. again. Thank you, thank you everyone much. for joining us live or for watching the replay today. Yes, we appreciate you. We value your time. And uh, I will see you next time Wednesday for another live episode of, of Stand Out from the Crowd. And you take care and you stay safe. Bye-bye, everyone. You too. Bye-bye, everybody.